Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're the Locked On Ravens. Matthew Stevens here, Matthew S underscore NFL, and Jacob Troxel at Trox3TROX3. Checking out all the Ravens information every single day. Uh, guys, obviously, you know, uh, for my Browns listeners, and actually, you know, Matt has been on any of my Locked On Browns listeners. Matt was on last fall with us once. Um, you know, guys, I do want to thank all the new listeners. Please, guys, keep pushing the show. Keep uh, mentioning it to friends. Uh, the listenership, the, the subscribers keep going. Look, as this team gets better, I continue, and I vow to you guys, I'm going to continue to work my butt off. You know, look, if it's a better product that we get to cover, I'm going to try to make this a better product for you guys. Um Guys, I guess we'll go here. Um, look, as a, another team within the division, give me some initial thoughts on what you're seeing from this Cleveland Brown team. Well, for myself, you know, this is a Cleveland Brown team. Obviously, it's put up a win, so they're already better than <laughs> what they were last year. God, that was a um, fun 10-day period. <laughs> um, th- this seems to be a, a team that's on the rise, and, and, you know, we talk about this kind of every year from, from Baltimore's perspective where Cleveland – throws a ton of money out there in free agency, tries to make things happen in the draft. Uh, It never really works, and the end result is everyone gets fired and they kind of start over again every few years. This one kind of seems to be the first one that actually might stick, it looks like, from the outsider's perspective. Um, The first thing is, is obviously, once you have the quarterback in place, it, it makes things a lot better, and the other thing is it helps the guys in the building believe. They were believing everybody else was bought in with Tyrod Taylor. Um, and they, you know, the plan was it was going to be Tyrod. Eventually, there would be some time where it went to Baker. Uh, you know, Tyrod, you know, got hurt. Whether or not it was supposed to be Baker that early, you know, nobody in Cleveland's ever going to tell us. But you kind of knew once he got Baker out of the box, that was it. He was never going back in. And you know, that's what we got to see. Um, but you, you see, with everybody, I mean, it was just that second half on that Thursday night. I mean, I'm sorry, well, the, the last part of the first half when Baker got in, it was just everything just picked up. The pace of play, the crispness of play, the quality of play. You know, these guys knew the type of guy that Baker was. You know, Tyrod Taylor, you know, guys, you guys obviously know him from the Raven days, had, you know, had, was notorious for, you know, he could take sacks. A lot of times he will, you know, get out of dodge and pick up the yards with his legs, which makes it tough on receivers and stuff like that because you want to continue with your route with the thought of you're getting the ball, but when you have a quarterback, more often than not, is going to end up running for his life or just running because the lane's there. But you just saw it once Baker got in there. These guys knew if I run my route, I get to the depth I'm supposed to be at, there's a chance I'm going to get to make a play. And right off the bat, and then the defense just kind of followed in suit. Uh, It's just a whole bunch of really talented young guys, 25 and younger. And, you know, the Jets' win was good. And we talked about it. Look, we think this team is close, but now there's being good, there's learning how to win. And then, you know, the game, obviously, Sunday, that was an example of still. Learning how to win, learning how you know how to close out a ball game, but man, it's just—I mean—for the fact that you put a rookie quarterback out there in his first NFL start and he scored 42 points. I mean, even though it's a loss, at the end of the day, I could not be happier about it. Yeah, and yeah. you definitely—you um, know—what you mentioned about the pace picking up—that was something that we saw out of out of Baker in college as well. I mean, that's something he's definitely used to, and I think he kind of uh, transi- transitioned uh, into that. Uh, very well, and I believe the the first situation I believe was a two minute drill that he came into, mm-hmm. so a little bit of a of a comfort feel for them right for him right off the bat. Uh, and I do like the receivers that they've surrounded him with, some young guys like you said, and uh, Jarvis Landry, a, a veteran guy who can uh, you know be be that veteran presence with him, along with Carlos Hyde in the backfield. So 
and really all the running backs they have in the backfield. I, I always like to say that for a quarterback, and a young quarterback especially, it's more important to have uh, a solid running game than it is um, you know, talented receivers because if you're a quarterback who truly, you know, Baker's the number one overall pick in the draft, and uh, you, you would think that the number one overall pick in the draft and, and, you know, a quarterback you put high on a pedestal, whether it be a Hall of Famer or what have you, uh, will make his players, his receivers better. And you've seen that over the course of time with guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. They make their guys better. So I think Baker over time um, will make his receivers better if he is that franchise quarterback. But, you know, the running back situation is something the quarterbacks can't can't do a lot about. But uh, they've done a good job of surrounding him with good players. It, they certainly have, and look, I mean, and this is and this is a big thing that goes between Browns fans is you know everybody you're either a Sashi guy or you're a Hugh guy, and now you want to be a Dorsey guy. But you look at the culmination of what these two guys did, and everybody, you know, you, you, if you dislike what Sashi Brown did, he put together a defensive line in two drafts: Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, Jannard Avery. So uh, within three, I mean, I'm sorry, obviously not Avery, but the other, those other three pieces, he put that in place. This is kind of what is the calling card of this team right now is an extremely strong defensive, you know, defensive line. Obviously, you know, John Dorsey did a fantastic job, turned over 31 out of 53 on this roster. But, uh, you know, he was able to get guys to buy in. The reason they're so active trading you know, right when the trading window opened was, is he said, I don't know if I can get a free agent here right now. Without you know some you know credibility to it, so he goes out and gets Jarvis Landry, who's going to be their wide receiver one. Takes Dem- they get Demarius Randall. Obviously, you know the front office has Green Bay connections. Demarius Randall, who was an okay cornerback in Green Bay, is right now the eighth uh, the eighth best ranked safety according to Pro Football Focus, playing free safety here for the Cleveland Browns. Tremendous acquisition. He gave up fourth round pick for both of these guys, and they're huge huge parts of what you're doing. So it's it's really been fun with the product they put together. Obviously, you know it's got to sustain here now. We really need to see Hugh Jackson step up as a coach because if it's not a major upgrade here, win wise, and you know the the feeling that he gives the organization, this place is a lot more attractive, and you might be able to get a coach of a you know who's got a lot better resume than a guy right now who's currently one thirty two, one thirty three and one. So. It, you know that's a lot to deal with, but I do want to kick it over to your guys' side now. Um, Sunday night, I, I I think this is good because look, I think we all agree. Heck with the Steelers; they've had their run. I hope it's <laughs> over. Let, and you want to know, Le'Veon Bell, sit on that couch for as long as you want, big guy. It's all good with me. Um, but I thought it was really impressive, and I, I mean the game, the, the play calling, uh, the Max Max Williams, literally, you know, basically a fullback sitting behind the guard. And the center, but I, I think what I do like is that you guys are getting everybody involved, and it seems like it's really difficult, and it is really difficult when you have no idea. You know, like you don't say, "Oh, well, that's the wide receiver one of the Baltimore Ravens," or "Oh, that's the tight end one," or "You, oh, we got a key on this back," because then you know, uh, you know, Buck Allen will kill you. I think they've done a really good job with that to this point. Well, that's something we've kind of talked about in the Locked On Ravens podcast. Is that this is a, a pick your poison style of passing attack? They have. Uh, 12 guys have been targeted for passes. 11 have caught passes so far this season. Sunday, 11 guys caught passes. Uh, six guys have 100, at least 100 receiving yards. Six different guys have at least one receiving touchdown. This is an offense that, like as you mentioned, go ahead and, and come up and, and, and keep an eye on uh, Michael Crabtree. Fine, then I'll beat you deep with John Brown. 
cool. Shade a safety over to, to John Brown, uh, and we'll pick you apart on the sideline with Michael Crabtree, and we'll go ahead and blow through zone coverage uh, with, with Willie Sneed. Uh, do all of that incredibly well. Uh, you know, you have a fantastic secondary. Well, let's go ahead and test out those linebackers and see if they can keep up with Max Williams, Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and, and soon-to-be Hayden Hurst. If you could do all that well, well, to be honest with you, there's not really a team in this league, uh, maybe outside of the Los Angeles Rams, that can take apart every single aspect of that, uh, which is why Baltimore right now is, I think, fifth in the league in points scored. They have the eighth highest ranked uh, uh, passing attack. This is a team that even kind of feels like they, they're not really reaching their full potential quite yet, which is scary when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, they go ahead. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, no, yeah, I was just gonna kind of double down on that. I mean, you know, they're tenth in yards, and we don't really. Um, we this is something we were talking about yesterday on yesterday's show. Was uh, this is an offense that we haven't really seen not only since Flacco has been the starting quarterback, but really uh, in the entire history of the franchise since they've been. Uh, you know, since they went to the Super Bowl and won in the early, um, you know, early part of the decade there in the two thousands. So. Um, you know, it's just very. Uh, you, you know, you see teams make runs in the playoffs and uh, each year, and a lot of that is because they're able to have depth, and not only depth on the depth chart when injuries come into play, but depth schematically when you're able to have guys do different things uh, on both sides of the ball. And I think the Ravens have that. So, um, and they've had that in the past when they made runs into the playoffs. So, uh, this is a team that. I, I think is maybe a little bit. You saw a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a worrisome part there in the Steelers game where they could have really put the hammer down and taken a lead like you expect good teams to, uh, and they kind of let Pittsburgh back in the game. Um, but they're still a team that can put it all together and go on a, a good run, especially here as they get to a, an important stretch of their season. And the thing for me is, I mean, you guys talk about it, and you have two first round picks who are essentially right now contributing nothing to you. So I mean, you know, it's 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 a pretty picture, and you know, as much as I was excited for last week's game, and I had a lot of confidence going into it, I'm going to tell you, I don't have the same confidence level going into this one this week. But Jacob, Matt, as you guys know, as I know, look, since I've been hosting the podcast, people want to ask, you know, advice. They want to ask football advice. Guys, we all know what they want to ask. They want to ask who to bet on. Well, I can tell you what I think. I can't guarantee you nothing. But what I can tell you is who you're betting with is almost as who is important as who you are betting on. That's why I always tell uh, tell people, tell anybody what to ask, go ahead and take your business and your betting business with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great online reviews. Their mobile site is clean, simple, easy to use. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me. If I'm going to make a wager, I tell all my listeners I don't make a lot, but if I'm going to, I do use my bookie. Um, the simplest part with my bookie, just get in, do what you got to do, quick in and out. You win, they pay. It is just that simple. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy players, which is always good. I like to do that on game where I have zero interest whatsoever. Now you, can, you know, if he's predicted for 16 and a half, pick a guy, you know, lower, higher, have a little fun with it, five, ten bucks, whatever it is. Um, and they have the most rewarded player perks in the business. Um, currently, my bookie is slammed with new business. So to make things easier on them, if you go ahead and create your new account with mybookie.com after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will give you a free $25.
Now, here's still the best part with MyBookie.com. When you go ahead and create your new account, they will match your account dollar for dollar. So if you're going to put in 50, it's 100. With the 25, 125, so on, so on. It's simple enough math, guys. Um, with the new, uh, you know, with the new promo, there is a new promo code: capital L locked, capital O on 25, locked on 25. Visit mybookie.com today. M y b o o k i e dot com. Mybookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Jeff, now I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about, uh, you know, what should we expect when the Cleveland Browns have the ball? Obviously. This is a completely new version of this team. Baker Mayfield at quarterback instead of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, a, a potent run game, as we saw you know, last Sunday against the, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I believe 200 yards or so. Uh, you know, wh What should we really expect out of this team at this point? Uh, or is that still just kind of not really known since Mayfield hasn't put a lot on the field so far? Well, it's not so much that Mayfield didn't put a lot on the field. They didn't give Baker Mayfield any first-team reps, in, which it just seems so odd because nobody had a problem with, okay, we're starting Tyrod Taylor week one because everybody, look, they were starting an undrafted free agent at left tackle. So you want to know what? I didn't want Baker out there week one. <laughs> I mean, they didn't give him, and that's the thing. They put the, they put the undrafted free agent left tackle out there, started in week one. He didn't even start a preseason game. Barely got any reps with the ones in practice. So, I mean, why would you want to risk it? Um, but I will say this, as much hesitation as I had, Desmond Harrison, um, he's looking like a player. Uh, each week, pro football focus-wise, uh, he went from mid-30s to high-50s to mid-60s. This week, he graded out a 72. His pass pro has looked pretty solid. What you're going to see is you're going to see Christmas. Um, it's, it, you know, Baker, Baker's showing ability thus far. And it'll be interesting because, obviously, you know, the Ravens, known for their defense over the years. Um, Baker seems to be really good at the line of scrimmage, and he seems really good pre-snap and has a really good idea with what he wants to do or where he thinks the hole's going to be. So it, it, that should be something. But look, you know, there's still you know, Suggs. There's still Juden. I mean, I know these guys can get after it. So it is going to be interesting because this is going to be the most difficult pass rush he's you know seen as a starter. You know, the Jets don't have much pass rush. Oakland was, you know, basically rookies was basically what was coming after him. So it'll be interesting here because, you know, this is, you know, certainly going to be, you know, the upper hand will be on the defense. Obviously, the strong secondary that I have as well. Um, big thing is, and... It's time. I mean, three carries for Nick Chubb. He exploded all over the place in Oakland, and only three carries. And we have we've had Carlos Hyde, who in uh, he's currently averaging three point four yards per carry, which is it's okay because I do think part of what it is is you know you have a young defense, you're trying to you know keep them off the field as much as you possibly can. You know, you, you for them the best way to get points is by having the ball. But it's starting to become drastically noticeable that you're featuring one running back who's significantly less talented than the other two running backs you have. Duke was able to get involved a little bit last week. I don't know how they can possibly keep Nick Chubb in you know under five carries this week, if you saw anything. Um, the speed, I mean, this is a guy devastating injury a few years ago. Every drop of his back is back. He may even look better now than he did because, I mean, he was running away from cornerback and Gary Connolly, Ohio State, who was a 4-3-9 guy. 
it's some of that. Also, what you're going to notice, David Najoku is a guy who can now work the seam. This is areas that Tyrod Taylor was not going to throw the ball. They weren't throwing the ball between the hashes. Jarvis Landry, you know, runs the deep square ends. These are routes that just were being run, but weren't even going to be looked at by Tyrod Taylor. So I, I would expect to see some more action within the center of the field, not so much sideline-centric or deep, which was more of what Tyrod's game is. So it's going to be it's going to be fun, and and I do think offensively, it, it could you know look I, they're not going to score 42 this week, but these guys you know I, I think they'll find a way to keep some momentum going. I, I, I'm pretty confident in that. I mean I don't think they're going to come out on the right end of this game by any means. But, but I think Baker Mayfield just brings a, a certain breath of life and a shot in the arm to all these guys that they know that they know they have their guy. It may not be their time, but they know they have their guy. I want to talk to you a little bit about Mayfield, obviously, under pressure. And that's, you know, we've been through this rivalry plenty of times. That's mm-hmm. what Baltimore really brings to the table is they're going to go ahead and haunt Mayfield all game long in an effort to try to force a mistake. And that's what they've excelled at over the years, and Cleveland has certainly been uh, at at the bottom of that a lot of the times because they're always starting a new quarterback. How has how has Baker really looked when he's getting someone in his face? He, you know, obviously, you know, he had the you know had the one strip sack fumble on you know Sunday. There really hasn't been much of it though because the Jets the Jets really just didn't do it. They were blitzing all game long on Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, the Jets knew Tyrod very well from his Buffalo years. When Baker got in there, and that was the worst part because Jamal Adams went on radio in New York, here where I live, the, the day after the game, and said, ah, we really weren't ready for Baker Mayfield at all, which I can understand. It's hard enough to prepare for one quarterback in three, do- three days, let alone two. But what you do notice with Baker is he's he's got the intelligent level of, okay, if I think the blitz is coming from the left, then I'm going to go left. You know, I, he, he, he seems to have the smarts and the wherewithal that he wants to go to where the open hole has been created from. It's going to be a lot faster, and it's it's going to be more intense than he's used to. But we'll see. I mean, and this is going to be a big one for him mentally because now this is. I mean, you know, Oakland's D was okay, but you know, we know what the Ravens' D is, and this is you know that you know he played NFL speed. Now they're getting creeping up to upper echelon NFL speed. So for me, Duke Johnson, this is maybe the week where he needs to be the factor. Look, if you guys are going to bring guys. Find a way to get Duke Johnson into the crease, the crease where the guy left from, and you know this is where a guy like that feasts. Um, you know maybe you start using Jarvis Landry a little bit more on the shorter routes. They've been doing mostly the deeper routes with him to this point. Maybe it's time to go back with something he's a little bit more comfortable of, comfortable with, and also it's going to help you know your quarterback succeed. Uh, those two interceptions uh, on Sunday, you know, I didn't get a chance to really watch May, uh, Mayfield in this game. Obviously, we had our, our own game to kind of deal with and, and prep and all that stuff. Um, h- how did those two interceptions actually come about? I mean, uh, are they simply were they simply just kind of rookie mistakes, or was it he trying to force a ball to where it shouldn't have gone, tip pass, that type of thing? Uh, or, or is it, uh, you know, did he get baited into a bad throw and, and just ultimately... Um, you know, the inexperience kind of got to him. Well, it's it's actually rookie on rookie because they both involved Antonio Callaway. Antonio Callaway, the first one early in the game, the pick six, he slipped on his route. Um, Oakland, it's 2018. Find a way to get some grass in there for a football game. We don't need to field diamonds. <laughs> Guys were dropping all day long. It's <laughs> terrible. I mean, I'm glad they're going to Vegas just so I don't have to see another game again on that stuff. And, you know, he slipped. And you know, and what's your initial reaction? Try to get a hand on the ball. Hopefully, you knock it down. Well, he got a hand on the ball and knocked it up. Pick six. The second one again was Callaway. Now, here's the thing with Callaway: 
Now, here's a guy who did not play football in 2017, obviously suspended the entire season from Florida. So not only is he a rookie learning on the fly, he's also a rookie learning on the fly who hasn't played any football in two years. So it was a deep route. Baker thought he was going to kind of, you know, he was supposed to supposed to basically be a deep skinny post. Callaway kind of flattened it. Baker knew there was a window there. He threw it to where he thought Callaway was going to get to. Callaway really kind of didn't get there. The interceptions on the second interception is on Baker. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the first one most certainly wasn't. Obviously, you know, I mean, Callaway, you know, ended up, you know, if you're going to do anything, I mean, well, you remember the old Hail Mary and Tom Jackson? Knock it down! Knock it down! He did nothing but that. Literally, just you know, the old tip drill that you know you did his defensive backs and it led to a pick six. And actually, even from PFF of the four turnovers that Baker had. They only credit him with the second interception later in the game. They did not give him credit for the other three. They did not put it on him. Of course, Baker owned up to it all and took it on himself, and you know, which you like to see because you know you, you see this guy is you know he's exactly what you think he's going to be. He's pro franchise. He's pro team. He's got his teammates back. But you know, yeah, the four turnovers at the end of the day, it's, it was a little bit daunting, of course. But in the end of the day, the, the Cleveland Browns scored 42 points. I, I don't know if I can find a three-week stretch last year where I could give you scores from three games and get 42 points. That's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Now, guys, um, Lamar Jackson. I, I want to get to this one first. What are they doing? What are they doing? I mean, I, I understand <laughs> if if he was playing, if he was your number one quarterback, and he was taking all the snaps. I understand that, hey, this is something he can do. We're going to take advantage of it. But it seems right now is like all you're setting him up for is, is to get take some hits. And it, the one thing is it almost seems to me like what, what I've seen of them, it seems like it almost kind of slows things down a little bit just so they can kind of create a role for him. Uh, Jacob, I'll take the first part of this, and that is ding, ding, ding. You, you're pretty much exactly right. It, uh, You know, They've kind of evolved his role over the last few weeks, but the reality is, is um, it, it doesn't really seem to be that they have a real plan for him. Uh, they're, they're tossing him out there as many different times as possible, many different uh, ways as possible. But the reality is, is when you look at those plays, you go, well, "That's a run play." It's almost always a run play. I think there's been twice that it hasn't been a run play out of the. A dozen or so snaps that he's gotten in that two QB set. Uh, yeah, it, it. I mean, if you're a defensive back, uh, the last thing I'm doing is trying to actually guard Lamar Jackson because I know it's not going to him in a passing play. Uh, and and as far as a running play, if you're not using him in the red zone, it's not going to him. It's uh, more often than not going to the the uh, the running back, and you're just kind of faking it to Jackson in an effort to try to get somebody bite and open up a, a lane. Uh, which, generally speaking, hasn't worked. So, uh, you know, they, they when they drafted him, said he's a quarterback. That's all he is. He's a quarterback. No questions. Period. That's the end of story. Uh, and then they promptly put him out there more as a wide receiver uh, who has stood there practically with his hands on his hips the entire time. Uh, and, and, yeah, you're right. It, it just slows the game down. It takes an offense out of rhythm that is without – Jackson on the field is doing just fine. This offense isn't really having a whole lot of struggles uh, in the passing game at the very least. And in the run game, uh, you know, if you look at Jackson's stats, it's not like he's going to wow you on that department. And the times yeah. that he's on the field, it's not like anybody's busting a 60 yard run because Jackson might get the ball. I, it's just, it's confusing, but it's ever evolving. 
Yeah, and I mean, if you look at his stats, you might think, oh, well, he's got 13 carries, 62 yards, almost almost five yards a carry. That's not bad. You know, he's running pretty well. But, uh, you know, that one 16-yard run being the outlier there uh, against the Buffalo Bills in a 47-3 blowout with four minutes left in the fourth quarter doesn't really mean a whole lot. So, you know, you take out that one play and everything else, he's averaging less than four yards a carry. So I think they would better be better suited to give those carries to – um, Alex Collins, just to maybe kind of get him in more of a rhythm. He's only had 15 plus carries in one game so far this season. Now he has fumbled twice, um, but I, I don't know if um, you know ha- having him come out of the game is the best thing for him. I think he just needs to get into a rhythm. And when he gets, we've seen what he's capable of when he gets into a rhythm. Last year, when he took over the starting role, he was really able to help out this offense that was struggling at the time with a lack of wide receiver. Um, talent quite frankly on the outside so um you know with the wide receivers they have this year it's it's uh, kind of working in reverse to where they need to get the run game going so uh but i expect collins to turn it around if it's not this week it's going to be eventually at some point uh he's just um too low right now he'll um it doesn't seem like he'll regress any further he'll kind of uh, get back up to the average of where he's typically at. Um, so I, I'm just a guy who's very high on Collins. I think he's a good running back, and he'll turn the corner eventually here. It's just a matter of uh, you know game script and when the Ravens are going to um, give him a full workload. Uh, I'm a huge Alex Collins guy. I loved him at Arkansas. I was aggravated the teams I liked didn't take him. He kind of wallowed away there in Seattle, and he finally got himself an opportunity. And I think I, if Matt remembers, I probably told him about this last year. I, I'm a big Alex, Alex Collins guy. Look, the fumbles, I know people get upset about it, but some of that stuff I kind of look at like drops. Look, they're going to happen. You hope it doesn't kill you. But the last thing you want to do is yank a guy that you have faith in. Yeah, you know, we actually talked about this yesterday in terms of Michael Crabtree, I think, has six uh, drops on the season. Never going to see him pulled out of a game at all, despite them hitting him wide open in the hands. Jarvis Jarvis Landry's got himself a half dozen as well. And you want to know is is when they brought him in, you know, me and a couple other guys that are on the show, I'm like, guys, you you guys want to anoint him like he's, yes, he's our wide receiver one. But is he really a wide receiver one? I mean, is he Julio Jones? Is he A.J. Green? Oh, but look how much we paid him. He's a wide receiver one. Okay, but still, <laughs> just because they paid him like that. And look, and, and Jarvis Landry to this point, I mean, there's a lot more deeper routes, a couple of 100-yard games already. You know, the, 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 the fade he caught Sunday for the touchdown. I, I'm not denying Jarvis Landry, and, you know, I, I'll eat crow on that, and I have already to this point. But, you know, the guy we saw in Miami for all those years, you're not going to mistake that guy for Julio Jones, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and not anytime, any day, anywhere. Yeah, you know, that's something actually, uh, as, as the Ravens were interested in Landry, that's something I kind of threw out there that, you know, the the number one quote-unquote wide receiver is such a rare thing. You can count really maybe three or four real number one wide receivers in that they can play outside, inside, they can play all over the field. They put the fear of God in the, the other team's defensive coordinator. Exactly, and they can run all the routes on the route tree. No one's looking at Jarvis Landry expecting him to go ahead and run every route on that route tree. You, you know what he does. You want to catch 13 balls for 82 yards, bro, knock yourself out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And when you look at Jarvis Landry's stats, that's exactly who he is. He is a volume guy. And in Miami, well, it, it, it's easy to be a volume guy when you got Tannehill uh, short arm and passes to, to guys, and you got an offense that really – 
only has Landry now that he's in an offense that has maybe a little bit more and is doing a little bit more. You're seeing Landry maybe kind of expand his repertoire, but by no means did what we see on film in any of Landry's previous seasons give you any serious indication that he was worth the top dollar money that he was really expecting. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll pan out long term for Cleveland. Maybe this is the point in which he starts getting shut down and we start seeing him catch five yard passes again all of a sudden. Uh, we'll kind of see as that goes along. But uh, uh, it was shocking to see Landry get that much money um you know, from a team. But then again, Cleveland certainly had enough to go ahead and toss out there. Uh, and, and there's a certain amount of Cleveland tax that I think everyone admits of course. the Browns do have to pay. Oh, oh, there's no doubt about it. And look, but I mean, there's still only, there's still 60 million to go. So, you know, and, and, and for and for ease, I think that mo- the, most of the deal was front loaded anyway. So, you know, he's going to clear like 30 through the first two years. And then we'll start worrying about re-signing people and see where you know the cards may lie there. Guys, I do want to ask you this, though. And I'm looking at this secondary, and phew, I'm just shaking my head. at Wow. Um, now, the cornerbacks, do the, are, the, are the cornerbacks specific to side? Or will you know will one of them take Landry all day? And how does that, how's that going to work? So, so far, uh, Baltimore has kind of messed around with their coverages. They, they have shadowed guys uh, for the most part throughout these first four games, but there's not really a single guy that you can point to going, well, that's the guy that they're going to go ahead and put on Landry. Um, I, that being said is, for the most part, they've kind of put uh, Brandon Carr on the deep guy, shaded a safety his way, and then let Marlon Humphrey, the younger guy, the more physical mm-hmm. guy, the faster guy, go ahead and take uh, the the other wide receiver out, the next guy up, one on one more more often than not. That's kind of what they did you know, on Sunday against the the, the Steelers. Uh, you, you, but you saw it kind of go the opposite way, in which Humphrey got Eric Weddle the safety over top in order to help him on Antonio Brown when he was one on one with Brown. Really, Roethlisberger didn't look anywhere else. It was just immediate throw it to AB every single time, and it worked. But that's also Antonio Brown. So in this one, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Jimmy Smith is also coming back. Oh, so right. we're not entirely sure how much sure. he's going to play. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it's This is a team that's 3-1, and one, and one could argue that if they had C.J. Mosley the entire Cincinnati Bengals game, they'd be 4-0. But this is a team that has been missing C.J. Mosley for essentially two games, Jimmy Smith for four. Willie Henry, a borderline starter on that defensive line, and their their rookie Hayden Hurst, uh, who was expected to be their top tight end this year. So they've essentially been missing four starters so far, and they have the second best point differential in in the game right now by a fairly wide margin. So this is a team that's scary and getting scarier as it goes along, especially in that secondary, which. Uh, you know they were they were good last year, but this is now a defense that doesn't seem to be doing that bend but don't break thing that we saw in Dean Pease's offense or a defense. This is now a defense that seems to be kind of able to to keep their guys pretty well locked down. Yeah, and with with uh, Don Martindale at the helm, uh, you know, and um, Jimmy Smith coming back, I wouldn't count out seeing any type of different look. Uh, you know, this week, um, I, I just after seeing all the different looks that they showed the Steelers and how well they were able to handle Antonio Brown and those uh, granted the Steelers were very one dimensional. They only ran the ball with James Conner nine times. Um, but still all the different looks they showed, they had uh, Anthony Levine all over the field. He was making a couple different plays, Brandon Carr had a good night as well. So, and then you add Jimmy Smith to the mix. I, I think 
you know, this is a unit that has only allowed nine second half points um, and no touchdowns uh, in in the first four games this far, so far this season. And now you get your best cornerback back to uh, you know help not only your your defense but the two minute kind of defense that we've been talking about the last two years that has been uh, the the ultimate uh, you know decider in the Ravens' fate, where they had two games on the line there uh, to make the playoffs, and the two minute defense let them down. So. Um, schematically and personnel-wise, this is a defense that can do a lot of different things. Oh, guys, you're not making me feel you're not making me feel too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm am t- telling you what, if I had a, a little bit of a glimmer of hope, I would I would uh, I would try to tell you, but I don't know. It's it's going to be tough. I mean, it, the, really, I guess the biggest thing would be um, if if the Browns are able to handle different um, blitz packages well. I think that's when you're able to. Um, get to this Ravens defense a little bit more. They rely on pressuring the quarterback a lot. So maybe if you can get some creativity there uh, from the Cleveland side, that's going to be very beneficial, especially for Baker Mayfield, how he can extend plays. Uh, But the reality is, is because we're, you know, we're probably going to get Willie Henry back this week. Uh, Probably going to go ahead and get back Jimmy Smith this week. Uh, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't play we don't really know what this defense is going to throw out there. I mean, what we've seen in the first four games, throw it out the window. All of that game film was essentially useless because with those two guys on the field again, you you can now send a, a different blitz completely. You can now drop a different guy back into coverage. Uh, you can now turn uh, Tavon Young, that, that nickel corner, who is kind of a borderline starter in his own right, you can turn him into a, a weird hybrid safety and blitz him from different ways. And, and we saw him get two sacks in the first game, but then never really be used again as a blitzer. So really, who actually knows what this defense is going to throw out in the field come Sunday? Uh, But if you're looking to go ahead and find out, and you're in the Cleveland area, hit up vividseats.com. If you go to vividseats.com, they're going to go ahead and have all the tickets and actually some really good prices too. I'm sitting there looking at it. uh, Pretty good tickets. uh, 141 right now in the lower level. Uh, that, that's that's a great uh, AFC North matchup. So we all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer for your favorite team, whether you're a Cleveland Browns fan or a Baltimore Ravens fan. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the show or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, better, Vivid Seats is going to give our listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. And like I said, there's those tickets right now for $141 apiece. So you can go ahead and get $20 off that if you go ahead and use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, no spaces, Locked On in order to go ahead and get the $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to vividseats.com slash app. Go ahead and get the app for either your iPhone or for your Android device. Each purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code Locked On for $20 off orders, $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Okay. So I, go ahead, Matt. I think I think one of the, the 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 big questions for me is for the Ravens defense. Uh, excuse me, for the Ravens offense on this one, they have not really been able to get that run game going. But when I look at you know the statistics for the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know right now they are 
allowing the 23rd most uh, rushing yards per game. So they're not doing fantastic in that department right now. Uh, granted, Pittsburgh not exactly doing great uh, themselves, and Baltimore wasn't able to go ahead and put a lot on there. But what have we seen from this defensive line that you mentioned before that might be able to go ahead and stop this uh, Ravens offense from running the ball, maybe setting the tone early? Um, well, part of the thing with the run game is, is if you're looking at the numbers, they are kind of skewed. You know, James Conner kind of went ham week one. Uh, you know, week two, they did a fantastic job with Alan Kamara. Uh, they did a fantastic job overall against the Saints. Uh, you know, keep in mind they lost the game twenty-one to eighteen. You know, Atlanta. I mean, New Orleans is humming right now offensively. The Browns gave them pretty much all they could handle in a game that you know, if Cleveland maybe had a kicker, they probably could have been on the right end of that one. Um, Last week, Marshawn Lynch, it was a couple of runs. It wasn't, you know, a whole bunch of runs. It was a couple of long ones where he broke a tackle. So I do think that they've done pretty well against the run. Larry Ogunjobi in the middle, becoming an absolute force here in year two. Here was a guy, they kind of held his snaps back last year, which kind of aggravated everybody. Because, look, uh, the team wasn't good, so your focus should have been on developing young players. But now Larry Ogunjobi, now in addition to being a good athlete, and a strong, strong guy. There's technique to it. Uh, if, if you want to peek to the Saints game a little bit, he's literally walking the center back into Drew Brees' lap. Veteran center. Drew Brees is a veteran. I mean, these are things that shouldn't be happening from a second-year player. So that the run game I'm not too concerned about. I am concerned about the pass game. But Miles Garrett, you're just seeing the full package now. Um, you know, tremendous athlete, size, length, and you know the technique. Now he knows how to create space quickly between him and the offensive lineman because he can beat him with moves. He can beat him with speed. You know, they still like to stun him around. They'll even still bring him inside in nickel and dime things like that. But they've done a nice job. The linebacking core, for the most part, they are good in the run game. Um, I do worry Joe Schobert last week. John Gruden, Greg Williams, two established guys in the NFL. John Gruden had his way with Greg Williams. He kept finding a way to get his guys in a correct matchup. Jared Cook on Joe Schobert was a mismatch all day long. And this was kind of worries me with, you know, the t- I mean, you guys play a lot of tight ends. they all big guys. They all run well. Joe Schobert, if they get in a position where Joe Schobert's covering tight ends again, it's not going to be pretty. You know, maybe try to get your Brill Peppers. Jamie Collins, this used to be his bread and butter as a New England Patriot. He, he, was a, he was the linebacker that could do a little bit of everything. I remember playoff games where he was going out wide, taking Kobe Fleener one-on-one. It, we need to find a way to get somebody else to cover these tight ends because if it's Joe Schobert, it's just not going to work. Uh, you know, Maybe even to find a way, Jabril Peppers is a guy that I think maybe could see some nickel linebacker reps, some dime linebacker reps. It just makes your defense faster. It's something they're going to have to consider doing here because the coverage from their linebackers is not good. It's not, it's not good, and it's not their forte. They're really good against the run, but these guys, you know, they're pretty soft against the pass. What about the the cornerback situation for for Cleveland as well? Uh, you know, we just got done playing Joe Hayden, a, a former Cleveland Brown, and he didn't fare so well. Now, obviously, Cleveland got rid of him for plenty of reasons. Uh, but right now, Cleveland again, defensively, twenty fourth. Uh, in the league in passing yards allowed per game, 13th in, in passing yards per per play. That's really where Baltimore has kind of excelled. And again, we talked about it to open the show. This is a pick-your-poison style of, of offense. Can those cornerbacks handle John Brown's speed, Michael Crabtree probably dropping another pass, but uh, being the, the, the possession guy, as is, is funny as that sounds now, um, 
but but all along the sidelines, kind of getting open, making those tough contested catches, or, or uh, who who is kind of the guy that you point to and go, if I'm a quarterback, that's the guy I'm throwing at every single play. Well, first things first. Uh, Drew Brees was part of you know who they played. They played Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. hung three hundred on him. Derek Carr hung four hundred sixty five on him last year, last week. So I mean, they've been getting abused a little bit. But last week, uh, number two cornerback, and he had been playing well. Terrence Mitchell had been a key part. Had three turnovers in three games. Derek Carr, they had no thought, inclination to even bother with Denzel Ward. We're going after everybody else. And they started off by going after Terrence Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell went down, broken wrist, had surgery Monday. So obviously he's going to be out. Uh, EJ Gaines, former Buffalo Bill, he's going to step in. He's played well, but he's only played sparingly. 42 snaps to this point. Uh, I think in coverage assignments, uh, three catches. He's given up in six opportunities, you know, so like 33.3, I believe, was the percentage there. But we're going to see if he can hold up for a full game because this isn't going to be 42 plays. I mean, he's going to, if he's starting, it's going to be 50-something reps. Uh, But after that, it's not been very good. Uh, Breen Body Calhoun, who'd been a guy that everybody around here kind of liked. Week one, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster took him to school. Week Week two, they barely played him. He played some on Sunday. He was having his issues. T.J. Carey is another one. He was having his issues. The key for them, as far as you know, pass defending, is they got to get home. Jernard Avery's got to get home. Miles Garrett's got to get home. Larry uh, Larry Ogunjobi's got to get home. Between Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi, through four games, they have seven and a half sacks between the two of them. They need to. If they're not going to consistently get into the quarterback's face, it, it, there's a good chance right now that they're going to get picked apart. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, it. Uh, when I'm, I'm looking at their their PFF rankings right now, and really outside of Denzel Ward, who, who's the top guy there, uh, it's 60 or below in coverage rankings, pretty much across the board everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it, as far as the pretty. cornerbacks, it's no, no, it, it it looks like some mismatches might happen, and and if you're a fantasy guy. Yeah, maybe this is the time to put Crabtree or Snead in there, and uh, you, you might be I'll able to stick right against some it, of those guys. If it were me, Willie Snead would be the guy I watched because the crossers were open all week, and it seems like that's what they like to do with Willie Snead. You know, he's probably the guy that concerns me. And they just, you know, they just, you know, they brought in a bunch of corners, but you know, when you're bringing in, you know, one guy on a one-year three million dollar deal, another guy on a one-year four million dollar deal, everyone's like, oh, well, they loaded up on corner. I wouldn't really call that loading up. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's not really loading up. You know, loading up is you drafted a guy in the second round, you drafted a guy in the first round, you paid some guy $35 million. Uh, you know, right. And when they sign these guys, it's not like the, you know, it was almost at a time now where we were talking B- minus and C-plus free agent period is when these guys were signed. So, you know, it's definitely to cause some, con- some concern. Uh, I do want to ask you guys one more thing. Actually, I'm going to make it to, uh, you know, uh, Matt, you can answer this first one. And then I have one for Jacob, too. Matt, I'll give you this, and then I'll just give you Jacob's question. You guys can answer it. Matt, who is the best pass rusher on this team? And Jacob, who is the best overall defensive player on this team? Oh, man. the uh, Oh, that's, that's a tough one. It, it <laughs> This is a team that is so much based on um, you know matchups any given week. And, and as of right now, as far as you know, pass, cover, uh, pass rusher, it's it's pretty obviously Terrell Suggs. You know he's the guy that Still, leads the team wow. in sacks. Yeah, it, it you can tell that that this is a team that's in the process of transitioning. And, and Tim Williams is a guy who uh, you know is is 
I think, primed for a big remainder of the year. Hasn't necessarily done a lot so far. Um, Matthew Judon hasn't really shown up at all as a pass rusher. Really? Uh, but that being said, is when you look back to last year, he kind of was a ghost most of the year, except for two sacks here, two sacks there, two sacks there, and two sacks there. So really, he, he really only showed up in, in a few major games, but in a big way. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably going to be the way that this year is as well, in which just, again, it's it's this is a team that is so much based in matchups when it comes to their pass rushers, but all in all, Terrell Suggs is still the king. 40 years old. Yeah, yeah, kind of kind of <laughs> hard to... Kind of hard to uh, disagree. I mean, you know, Matthew and I were talking about yesterday, and he kind of put me on the spot too. Like, just um, you know, who is the most? He, actually, the way he phrased it was, "Who's the most valuable player on the Ravens' defense?" And I said Terrell Suggs because you know, look, Matthew Judon is is just a guy who you know is in his third year out of Grand Valley State, and I, this is a year I was waiting for him to kind of burst out onto the scene, have a breakout year. He had four sacks his first year eight sacks in uh, 2017 so now uh, you know I thought this was a, a year where he could get double digit sacks you know they returned all 11 starters on this defense so there's some continuity there he knows the system very well he's been um, you know uh, there's been no real turnover other than uh, Martindale taking over who has been an improvement so um, you know there's a little bit more to be desired there I think um, I think he, he's played okay uh, but I think just maybe our expectations were a little higher I think overall, I guess the best player would be, if, if I'm not going with Terrell Suggs, I think C.J. Mosley, just because he does so much. Um, he's in the middle of that defense, and uh, you saw what happened when he came out of the Bengals game. The Ravens were um, just kind of not able to communicate things as well, and he's very good at understanding where everyone needs to be. And um, you know, There's, a, there's a, a bit of a trust kind of factor that, you know, players probably don't talk about it as much, but um, being in the same system and playing with the same guys so much, I think Mosley not only knows where his guys are going to be, but he trusts his guys uh, to make plays, and that allows him to make plays. That's something Ray Lewis used to talk about a lot, was playing as a unit. When you play as a unit together, um, you know, and you have confidence that, you know, your guy's going to take out the guard so that you're able to come around the line and make a tackle on the running back. You know, whatever it is, it just allows you to do your job well. And I see that in him a little bit when he plays um, and he's able to kind of command that middle linebacker spot. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's where I figured. And it is funny, though, uh, and, you know, Ozzie Newsom moving on and just how many guys yeah, I've heard you guys mention tonight, and I think Alabama, 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 <laughs> yep. Alabama, oh, yeah. Alabama. Well, maybe maybe that'll eventually slow down here a little bit. But I guess, you know, in the same respect, though, I guess you can't go wrong, you know, you know drafting the guys from t- uh, Tuscaloosa. Uh, yeah. Guys, uh, and, pro- go ahead. And don't look now, but uh, speaking of Alabama guys, the Washington Redskins who drafted two Alabama guys in, in the, the top with their top picks the last two years are third defensively in the league. So something about uh, something about what Nick Saban's doing down there is working out. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, when you're basically running the 33rd <laughs> NFL franchise, and uh, you know, these guys <laughs> these guys eat better than I ever will in college, for God's sakes. Where we used to see, all right, what pizza place has got the five dollar large pie tonight? So maybe I can eat a yep. whole meal. Uh, <laughs> but guys, uh, been a blast uh, sitting down here. Uh, all right, and, you know, they tell us we got to do predictions, so we'll go ahead. I'll let you guys go first. Uh, score predictions, Jake. I'm gonna let you handle this one first. Oh, of course. 
Um, <laughs> I, I think it'll be a little bit more high scoring than, than people anticipate. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Browns get a little bit of success on the ground early. Um, that's that's going to be the best way to score, obviously, on this defense. We talked about them being so good in the second half. So uh, I, I think maybe they're able to score early on, uh, but I'm expecting probably somewhere around the 30, 17, 30 to 20 um, kind of mark for Baltimore to win. I'm going to, and, and completely pull this out of my ass if I'm being honest here, I, I'm actually going to say this is going to be a loss for Baltimore. Uh, this is just, really? I, and, and this is not based on anything other than this is a team that tends to ride a high. They get super excited. Oh, we're so great. We're a Super Bowl team. And then they go ahead and come out of the gates and then just get stomped by a team where you go, what, really? How did how did Baker Mayfield throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns on a defense that was one of the best in the league? Uh, th- this just has the feeling for me, uh, a gut spidey sense, as it were, of a game that is just so set up to be a disappointment. Yeah, I, 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 I think that is, you know, that's something the Ravens have done over the years. And I see that, you know, you see that sometimes with Flacco. But I just think this is a different Ravens team. I think this is a, a, a Ravens team that is going to be consistent throughout the year. And we talked a little bit about yesterday where so far the Ravens, uh, although they did lose to Cincinnati, they've kind of checked the boxes that I expect them to check off as the season has gone on. I just think it's a little bit different of a team with all the skill set players. So I think you're right in that respect that they have done that a lot in the past, uh, and, and there's no getting around that. I mean, they've lost some games they absolutely should not have lost. Uh, last year against Tennessee and Chicago, two great examples of that. Um, but I, I just think it's a, a more consistent team. I'll say this, that is kind of the final checkbox for me as a fan, as an analyst. That's the last thing that if if the Ravens can go ahead and win the games that they should win this year, uh, I will absolutely put money on them come playoff time to go ahead and make the Super Bowl. Ooh, okay. I mean, I'll be honest, the way they've looked, uh, you know, I I felt they were going to be pretty good. They've looked better than I thought they were going to. Um, Like I said in the beginning of the show, I, I like the depth of, you know, the skill position and the fact that you're not really game planning for anybody. And you know, I feel remiss that we haven't brought up John Brown because I think he's brought a huge element to this. Uh, you know, John Brown, you know, maybe now being on the East Coast, maybe it's a little easier for him to manage the sickle sickle cell trade he's got. Um, but you know, always been a deep threat in the years in Arizona and he's looked really good and I think it makes it easier on the other things. Um, for the Browns to stick in this game, Baker Mayfield, this is the first home start. Yes, he's played at home, but this is the first home start. So can he still play with the poise, you know, the, the perfect combination of poise and precision and, you know, being all about it, you know, which I think he can, but it is a tough opponent. Um, will the Browns be smart enough and realize that Carlos Hyde and his 3.4 yards per carry just ain't cutting it when you've got guys behind who are better talents, they're better athletes, they need to be featured more. So if for Matt, for your prediction to come through those are things you're going to need to see. Um, they're they're going to have to play with the mindset of it's okay if we lose as long as we lose with our 2019 talent and our 2019 you know part of the foundation that we're going to have going further. Who if Carlos Hyde gets 23 carries and they lose by 15 points, who the hell cares? The the point is is they're not making the playoffs yeah. anyway. So you better be developing these young guys and especially in a game with the Ravens where it's year in year out. Twice a year, 
So, and, and that's that's what I want to see. And so, even either way, this is going to be a good test because this is you know the, the Browns are going to look across the other sideline, and that's who we want to be. We want to be like them. You know, we don't want to be okay bottom of the AFC North every year, year in out. We don't want to be that. We want to be I was knocking on the door for the playoffs year in year out. So we'll see how that plays out. But that that's what's going to have to happen. Even still, I, I just I, I, right now with the way the secondary is. Your offensive line, if, if they're capable of playing a little bit above average, I, I don't think Miles Garrett and crew is going to absolutely destroy your day to the point where it's going to affect you guys from winning the ball game. So for me, for a prediction, I will go Baltimore Ravens 30. I'll feel it on a good day. And with the Browns, because of their kicking woes, I can't ever give you a nice, solid number. So I'll have to give you an <laughs> odd one, like 22. So 30 to 22, a Baltimore Ravens win. I'll I'll say this about this game. This is one of those games in which if Baltimore comes out there, they they rattle Baker Mayfield early. They go ahead and and they start putting up some points. Cleveland's not a gentle town uh, by any stretch of the imagination. That crowd will quickly turn uh, on, on Baker Mayfield, and even though it's a home game, that that will quickly look scary for a rookie, like you mentioned, in his first real home start um, against a team that. Cleveland can't be all that excited about uh, uh, playing the Baltimore Ravens. It, it is an AFC North rivalry. Um, a, a big start from Baltimore will help kind of put Cleveland down pretty quickly, I think. Uh, but if they can stick with them, man, that's just, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared of this game for some reason. Well, here's the funniest part. A lot of people almost didn't see Baker Mayfield. Because if Tyrod Taylor didn't go down when he did in the Jet game, I, I, you know, because I have, you know, I have guys that I talk with, guys been on the show who were in the building that night. There were people ready to leave, and I, you know, Tyrod Taylor went down, and there were guys starting to walk back to their seats because they realized, okay, here's Baker, and it literally, and the one guy yeah. described it of, he's like, dude, it was, oh, he said it was like a wake that turned into Christmas morning. He's like, it was the oddest combination <laughs> of feelings, but he's like, that's the way it was, and then you know, and Baker like. Baker's just got that guy. He's polarizing. He's energizing. He's just that guy that's going to get everybody up. But, I mean, that's the way one dude described it. Um, but it's been an absolute blast here. Uh, guys, for all my Lockdown Browns listeners, uh, keep following the show, the Lockdown Browns Twitter, uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. I keep it a follow-back account. You guys, that way you can get in touch with me, DMs, I don't care, whatever. Even if you want to tell me the show sucks, you don't like it, that's fine. That'll be the end of our follow-back relationship. But anything you want show-wise, you guys can get in touch with me. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore uh, LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, it, guys, it's been a blast. And look, it, it, the best thing here for all my Browns listeners is we are headed to the fifth game of the season. But the first four, the game was in doubt, in question to the final whistle. And it's a sign of better days. you got a quarterback that's a sign of better days. You've got running backs. You've got skilled players. You've got a great defensive line. I'm going to keep harping on this, guys. Yeah, the record's 1-2-1. One, and one. I don't know if this coach is going to be here. And I've told you a hundred million times, I don't think he should be here but the point is, is the roster is finally starting to resemble something that can compete at the NFL level. And for the Baltimore Ravens, you know, this is the the weird start for them uh, in which they look fantastic and they're getting healthy again. They're getting guys back again. You know, this looks like a, a legit contender uh, at, at this point in the season. And, uh, you know, when, when Joe Flacco is playing well, this team tends to go ahead and find their way into the postseason and, and pretty far beyond that as well. So uh, exciting in the AFC North here, two teams 
starting to kind of make their way up and, and, and build up in the Browns and, and the Ravens. And we're starting to see the Steelers go ahead and fade away. And uh, oh, Cincinnati that's Bengals. A that's a shame. Yeah, <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals are the Cincinnati Bengals. Who knows who's going to be there as of next year for that matter. Uh, so, so some new things here in the AFC North, which is pretty cool to go ahead and see. So uh, looking forward to this game and looking forward to seeing you guys later on this year. Absolutely. Perfect.